Hello friends, welcome to another edition of New Kingdom Realities. And again, your uncle Edoxa, and so we're looking at another edition today. Just before then, we would like to say a word of prayer. And we shall be praying for revelational knowledge. Amen. We'll be praying Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 16. So that cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that he may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards world who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Let us pray. Membro got a totish cut in the moon, the subraga the moon. Membro got a totish cut in the moon, Escovraga the totish cut in the moon, the subraga the digger the moon. Escovraga the totish cut in the moon, the subraga the moon. Membro <laughs> 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Once again, you're welcome to another edition of New Kingdom Realities. And so, just a recap of what we did the last time we were talking about the long suffering of God. How that there is a long suffering of God, understand the fact that men continue in sin, sometimes it's as if that they are not punished. But the reason why they are not being punished is because there is a long suffering of God. God is giving time for men to repent. You know, at the way um, Second Peter puts it, he said, Let's just go there very quickly. Second Peter chapter 3, I'll read from verse 9. It said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering towards all, not willing that any should perish, but that all should should come to repentance and it made us understand that that word perish is not talking about hellfire but it's talking about a certain destruction that occurs in the earth as a result of long doing continuing for a long time and i said something that wrongdoing cannot always continue and not be punished there will be a day of judgment there will be a day of reckoning and that day is not a time in the by and by but is right here on the earth and so it now behooves us to live a sober life and that's why even the same um, um, same Peter, first Peter chapter five, talked something. And as he now behoves us, he advises us that we should cast in verse chapter five from verse seven. Said casting all your care upon him for a care for you. Verse eight, which is my emphasis. He said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a royal lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may destroy. Hallelujah. The reason why Satan destroys is when there is the absence of the Spirit of God. The absence of the power of God is what brings Satan to the scene to destroy. But as long as there is God's power, as long as there is God's presence, as long as there is God's Spirit, Satan cannot destroy. But when a person continues, because there is, there is the justice system in God, when a person continues in wrongdoing, and you never can tell, you never can tell when the spirit of the Lord can just be lifted. And when it's lifted, you now realize that that danger that happened is a danger that has always been there, but you didn't know it. It has always been there, but you didn't, but you didn't know it. But what just happened? Just I give an instance how that in the children in the in the in the Israelites, the children of Israel, when they when the, the spirit of God was lifted up them, you see serpents came and struck them in the camp. The truth of the matter is that those serpents they've always been there. But because of the presence of the Lord, they, 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 they could not strike. But once the presence of the Lord is lifted, you see how there will be so much destruction, so much, so much death, so much, so much trouble, you know, you know, so much affliction. 
but we are being kept by the grace and by the mercy of God. And as such, we must not abuse that mercy, we must not abuse that grace. Grace is not to be abused, neither is mercy to be abused. But grace gives us the platform, whenever we go wrong, to come before God to repent, to change our thinking, metanoia, to repent of our sins and to continue our journey. Because the goal of the dead, burial, and resurrection is for us to live godly, sober lives. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. We look at it in um, in, um, in Titus. Let's look at it in Titus. Let's just quickly look at that in Titus. Amen. Titus chapter two. I read from verse eleven. Say, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation and appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. In this present world that is how we are to live in this present world we are to live soberly we are to live godly and we are to live righteously we are to love one another we are to do peace we are to live in peace with all men but above all this this is just the summary of how we should conduct our lives in this present world hallelujah we are to the what the grace of god teaches us to do is to deny first of all is to deny ungodliness is to deny ungodliness and worldly lust they are there this worldly lust they are there hearing their help they are there but what grace empowers us to do what the spirit of god teaches us to do what the spirit of god empowers us to do is to deny this ungodliness and worldly lust and to enable us to live soberly righteously and godly in this present world hallelujah and i said something that what says something in the last teachings also in galatians 1 I'm about to get into my teaching in galatians 1 yes was there in galatians 1 i read something i said that i'll read from verse 3 galatians chapter 1 from verse 3 say grace be to you and peace from god the father and from our lord jesus christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present world according to the will of God and our Father. So the deliverance, the salvation, salvation in the Greek, soteria, saved in the Greek, sozo, is from this present world. Hallelujah. It's from this present world. I've said it again and again. It is not saved from hellfire, no. But it is from a certain destruction that is in this world. Hallelujah. And so today we want to look at another different kind of teaching. And that different kind of teaching, but it's the same gospel. Hallelujah. That's a, that's a different gospel. No, it's the same gospel, but it's an aspect of the gospel that we want to look at. And that's the two kinds of covenant. Hallelujah. Two kinds of covenant. Hallelujah. We want to look at what does it mean when we say covenant? What does it mean? And what, what, are, the, what are the kinds of covenant that we see in the scriptures? What are the kind of the, the major covenants that we see in the scriptures? And we can, we can, we can easily, we can, um, we can make a disparison. A disparison between these covenants so as enables us to leave the old, the old, the, the, the end product, the, the end product of the, the product of the grace, the, of the death, the, the end product of the dead, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for us to live righteously, for us to live soberly, so to live godly. Hallelujah. So, so that when we understand these covenants, it enables us to now live godly, it enables us to live righteously, it enables us to live. You know, you know, soberly in this world. Now, mark you, I've never said that. You know, just as you begin to learn these things, that one will not um, make errors because the truth of matter is that God does not use those that doesn't make mistakes. From time to time, we might make mistakes, but the most important thing is for us, for us to have a heart of commitment, a heart of commitment to please God, a heart of commitment that wants to live righteously, that wants to live soberly, and that wants to live godly. 
that is just just a heart of commitment and so you keep pressing you keep pressing by the spirit of god and by the grace of god hallelujah and so let us first of all let us start by looking at what is the word covenant hallelujah you know people use the term loosely in fact it, may, it might interest us to know that when we talk about testament testament talking about the old testament and the new testament we are actually referring to as covenant so when we say old testament we are actually referring to the old covenant when we look at the word new testament we are actually referring to new covenant we will look at it the word covenant in the greek it means datike it means datike it means a disposition arrangement of any sort which one wishes to be valid Hallelujah. I'll take that again. The word covenant in the Greek means datike. It means a disposition, an arrangement of any sort which one wishes to be valid. It's also known as a testament that we are going to. It's also known as a testament. So whenever I say, let us open to the Old Testament, what we are trying to say is that let us open to the Old Covenant. When we say, let us open to the New Testament, what we are trying to say is that let us open to the New Covenant. So the two major kinds of covenants that we see in the Agios Graphe, the Holy Scriptures, is the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant. Hallelujah. I don't want to just put it in terms as Old Covenant of the Law and New Covenant of the Priest, but let's leave it as the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Those are the two kinds of covenant. But be that as it may, that doesn't mean that there are not other covenants that we saw in the Scriptures, especially in the um, Old Testament scriptures. I'm talking about Genesis to Malachi. Yes, that doesn't mean that there's no some um, some other covenants as we as we as we see there. There are other covenants, but I'm saying that the two major kinds of covenants is the old covenant and the new covenant. Hallelujah! I'll take that again. The two major kinds of covenant, the old covenant and the new covenant. How be it? There are other kinds of covenant. Let's look at this covenant. Let's look at, for example, we look at God's covenant with Noah. God's covenant with Noah, we look at Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. So there, there are times. So we are not just to say that, you know, aside these two covenants, there is no other covenant. God doesn't mean covenant with men. No, a covenant just simply means a disposition. It's an arrangement of any sort, which one wishes to be valid. You know, I can make a covenant, I can make a disposition. You know, that's what we can also call a will. I can make a disposition, an agreement with someone. And I, my will for that agreement is for it to be valid. It's for it to, to, to be validated. Hallelujah. It's for it to be validated. So that's my wish. So two people can come into a covenant. Two people can come into an agreement, into, into an arrangement of any sort. And their wish is for that arrangement to be valid. Hallelujah. So what means that? So there, there, there are times also in scriptures where God went into an arrangement, into covenants as is where, with individuals. And God's wish for the, for those um, arrangements or for those covenants was for those um, arrangements or for those covenants to be valid. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's look at examples. Let's look at examples. We look at God's covenant with Noah. Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. I'll read from verse 7. I read from verse 6, Genesis chapter 9, from verse 6. He said, Whoso shedded man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. 
verse 7. And you be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the earth to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant <coughs> with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Hallelujah. So we see here that when God was making, you know, this God's covenant with Noah as well was after the flood. Now the flood, God has given instruction to Noah to build an ark. Noah has built an ark and Noah has gone to the ark, you know, and he has gone to the ark and there's, there's been a downpour of water upon the earth and has destroyed every other life apart from those lives that were inside the ark. Every other living creature was destroyed. Every other living creature was destroyed except those creatures that were inside the ark. Noah and his families and in the, the animals that were inside the ark and all, and all of that. So it was after then, it was upon then, that God now, that God now called unto Noah and told, and told Noah that he will establish his covenant with him. And what was that covenant? That's verse 11. said, And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Hallelujah. So that was the covenant. That was the arrangement. Now the disposition that was given to Noah by God, and God's wish was that for that agreement to be valid, and the agreement was the agreement was that He will not again destroy mankind with flood. Hallelujah! He will not again destroy mankind again with flood. Not that He will not again destroy mankind, because we saw it in in few chapters later how God eventually now still destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah as it were. But this time he's saying that he will not again destroy mankind again with flood. Hallelujah. And verse 12 said, And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. And there was, there was a seal. There was a seal, like an, an arrangement. There was a seal to make it valid. And that value was that I do set my bowl in the crowd and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. Hallelujah. So we see that that was an example of a covenant that was made to Noah. So between God and Noah. So the point I'm trying to get across here is that the fact that we are zeroing in, we are majoring in on the two major kinds of covenant, that's the old covenant and the new covenant. Be it as it may, uh, let me just use the word, lose the old covenant of the law and the new covenant of grace. But that does not necessarily mean that there were no other times in scriptures, in, in scriptures that God did make covenants with individuals. And I have not said that God does not make covenant with individuals today. If he did it then, he also do it today. But the one that we are majoring on, we are majoring on, is the covenant that God wrought with the children of Israelites as they were leaving Mount Sinai, as they were leaving um, um, the, the Egypt, and the covenant with God wrought with Christ 
Hallelujah. Of which that we, the believers, we are now recipients of those of that covenant. So that's what we're presuming. Let's look at another example of God's covenant with man in the Old Testament. Look at God's covenant with Abraham. There are two types. There were two types of um, covenant. There were two examples of covenant that God did make with Abraham. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, I'll read from verse 5. Genesis chapter 15, I'll read from verse 4. He said, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Verse 5, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, If thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Hallelujah. I'll still jump down again from verse 9. He said, from verse 8, he said, and he said, from verse 7, he said, and he said unto him, And the Lord that brought thee out of all of the Chaldees, to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Verse 9, he said, and he said unto him, Take me an ephah of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the pairs divided in not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Let me just jump down. Straight from verse 14, he said, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And, and it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was that beauty, smoking furnace, and a bunny lamp that passed between two pieces. In the same day, verse 18, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this down, this giving this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river and the river Euphrates. So the point here that God, the covenant that God made with Abraham was that he was going to give him the land. Hallelujah. He was going to give him a land. And in that land, his children, that his children were going to inherit, his seed was going to inherit that land. Hallelujah. Was going to inherit that land unto thy seed. Have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates? So that was a blessing of the land. But actually, we will now get to see, but that will not turn that when God was speaking of the tenth land, he was speaking figuratively. He was speaking figuratively. Yes, there, indeed, there was a physical land that was given to the children of Israel. You know. When, when God had commanded Abraham to go into the Lord, into the into the land of the all and of the Chadis, there was a specific land that was given unto the children of Israel. How be it the blessing of Abraham was actually not a physical land, although it was a land, but by the time you get into the epistles, as we see in, in, in Galatians, we see in Galatians, Galatians chapter Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter 3, I'll read from verse 12. He said, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. He said, For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. And what is that blessing? 
that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. So we see that by the time you don't get to the epistles, that's why that the blessing of Abraham is actually the, re the receiver of the Spirit of God through faith. Hallelujah. So that's another that's another example. Now the third example we see, and that is with Abraham. There are many. Just just reading, I can't really go on and on. But there are different instances that God made covenants with individuals. Made covenant aside the major covenant. We'll get to there in a minute. The side the major covenant which he wrote for with the, with the children of Israelites. We see that God made covenants with individuals in the Old Testament. Let's see another covenant that God made with Abraham again. We'll see Genesis chapter seventeen. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. I'll read from verse 1. He said, And when Abraham was 19 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. He said, And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Again, looking at here, the covenant that God was making with Abraham was that he was going to be a father of many nations. Hallelujah. Verse 6, he said, And I will make thee a city fruitful, and I will make, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. So the covenant that God, that God brought, the, the disposition, the agreement, the arrangement that God brought with Abraham, was that he was going to be a, a, a first and foremost, he was going to, that Abraham was going to be a father of many, of many nations. It's a continuation of the of the of the covenant that we saw in Genesis nine. How that his seeds will inherit the land of the Chaldeans. Amen. So we see it here that he was going to be a father of many generations, and in being a father of many generations, he was that God was going to be their God, and they are going to be his people. That was a major, you see, that was a major covenant. So, and it's a covenant that God has been trying to establish, has been established, trying to establish God being a God to a, a group of people and they being his people. How be by the time we got into the New Testament, it was not reversed. By the sacrifice of Jesus, it's no longer a people being made unto God, but we are now being made kings and priests unto God. We now became the children of God. We'll see all of that. We'll see all of that. But the point I'm trying to make here is that is that that God God has made covenants with people. So when we talk about covenants, we are not just talking about the covenant of the law. We are not just talking about covenant of. But we are talking about we are, there are still some other other covenant that God wrote with individuals. And finally, let's just look at the two kinds of covenant. We'll just mention them. That the next lessons will take them in detail. Now, but the two covenants, the two kinds of covenants. When you're talking about the the Old Testament, talking about the Old Covenant, talking about the New Testament, talking about the New Covenant, we'll look at it. Let's look at something in Hebrews eight. Hebrews eight gives us the introduction. Hebrews eight. Hebrews 8, I'll read from, from verse 
7. He said, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come and see the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, see the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, see the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he said, a new covenant he had made the first old. Now that we decayed and was it old is ready to vanish away. Now, this Hebrews 8 makes us to see that there are two kinds of covenants. The first covenant was the covenant he made with them while he led them out of Egypt. As we saw, as we see in, in chapter 8, in Hebrews chapter 8 from verse, um, from verse 9, he said, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not fear the Lord. So let us now look at, so that gives us the first covenant. The first covenant, which is the covenant of the law. Hallelujah. Which is the, we call it the old covenant. The, 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 the book of Hebrews calls it the old covenant. As we see in verse, in verse 13, he said, In that he said, a new covenant, he had made the first old. So the first covenant is actually the old covenant. And let's just, just, let's just introduce the old covenant. The first covenant. Look at it in Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. I'll read from verse 1. It said, In the third month when children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed into Rephidim. And verse 13. Verse 5. It said, now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And so we see that the first covenant is the covenant which God had with the children of Israelites when he led them out of the, out of the land of Egypt. And my time is up. God bless you.